Hello and welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doz, and on today's episode, we're jumping right back into Jason Aaron retrospective, everybody. If you've been around for really any amount of time, you know that this is really what we're doing this year. To get ready for Love and Thunder, we are going through the works of my, my personal favorite Thor writer as of this recording. I, I withhold the right to change my opinion whenever I want to. And uh, Jason Aaron means a lot to me as a writer. And today we are talking about some of my absolute favorite Jason Aaron Thor issues. We are talking about the run one through eight from 2014-15, where a certain lady grabs the hammer and changes the Marvel Universe in so doing. But for this journey, I have a co-pilot, a co-host, someone who is going to be on this adventure with me. And his name is Jacob Balcom from the Werewolf by Night podcast. Jacob, welcome to Across the Bifrost, man. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited to be on. It is going to be a, it's going to be really a cool experience for me because I have listened to you and your co-host Matt Howell talk about Werewolf by Night and all the the lycanthropes of the Marvel Universe for hours. So it's going to be really fun to get to hang out with you. And I wanted to just let listeners know where in the nine realms are you uh, you talking to us from today? Uh, right now, I'm coming to you from Southern Oregon. Um, Matt and I were based in Portland. I was based in Portland for most of my entire life and just uh, recently moved south. And so, yeah, I left left my co-host behind, but um, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're still close. We're still in touch and we're still doing the show. So uh, Matt was OK with you leaving him. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't OK. No, okay. no, he was. He was not. But he still helped me move. And um, I, I went. Actually, just got back from there. I went up last weekend and uh, stayed with him and his lovely wife Renee for uh, a couple nights, and and that was good. No, Matt is my best friend, and it's weird not being within a short drive of him. It's strange. Yeah, it like that 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 it's so awesome to uh, you say Matt's your best friend. Like it's so awesome to listen to your guys' show because it just feels like two friends talking about stories they love. It, I think that's one of the best things about the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, that I think that's, I don't know, that seems to be what, you know, I think a good podcast is, is chemistry between the hosts first and subject matter second. Like, yeah, all right. If two, yeah. if two buddies are, are loving each other's company, having a great time talking, I don't care what it's about. You know, I mean, yeah. most of the time it'll be fun if it happens to be some kind of niche content that you already like. Great. But but yeah, I, I appreciate that. I feel like I feel like we have a pretty good chemistry. We we love each other very much. We love talking about comics. And uh, yeah, so I think it makes an OK show. Speaking of your niche topic, Werewolf by Night, like for, for those that may not know who are not initiated into the more horror comic side of the marvel universe why did you guys pick werewolf by night um both of us are are fans of bronze age marvel that's marvel mainly from the 70s the 70s marvel was was kind of a wild west place where a lot of weird <laughs> stuff happened <laughs> right and um uh werewolf by night um you know uh, uh Tomb of Dracula and all these other um, kind of horror books came up in the early 70s when the uh, comics code was um, not lifted, but loosened a bit. Before yeah. that, you couldn't you couldn't have a lot of this stuff in comics. But 
um yeah they kind of loosened it and so marvel started trying out more horror titles they had a, a title of frankenstein's monster they they made tomb of dracula and they made uh werewolf by night which was uh yeah the adventures of a um young man named jack russell who uh yeah changes into has a has a family uh, lycanthropic curse and it was one of the stranger books from the Bronze Age. I really wasn't all that familiar with it, but it was one of Matt's favorites. And I think he posted online as a joke, like it was right as the pandemic started. And okay. he was like, he was like, hey, will someone just do a podcast with me about Werewolf by Night? And you know, no one said anything. But I just texted it. I'm like, if you're serious, I'll do it. Like, let's do it. And yeah. so, and we started. And it it is a, it's a D-list character. No, um, no shame nah. in that, Jack. Right. I mean, but but most people have never heard of it. Uh, that's going to change as you know. There's been a lot of rumors and stuff going around that there's there's going to be a, uh, a Halloween special. Uh, right? from Disney yeah. Plus that that may or may not, but probably does um, include a <laughs> appearance of uh, of the Jack Russell character. We're not sure. Nothing's been officially announced, but I have a feeling that um, he is going to show up, if not there at some point in the MCU. And then, um, yeah, then his issues will go through the roof and people will know about him. And that's cool because we and love the character. Oh, and, and like for those of you listening that, you know, you just heard about Werewolf by Night right now and you like you're getting Jacob's vibe through through your headphones or however you're listening. You need to go check out this podcast because you may not know anything about the werewolves of the Marvel Universe, but like I didn't know anything about Werewolf by Night beforehand I, at all. I found I found Werewolf by Night through another podcast that uh, Jacob and I both um, are appreciators and admirers of, and we've had them on as guests, Marvel by the month, Rob and Brian have been great. And uh, Jamie can't forget Jamie. Don't forget uh, Jamie. He was, he was, he's, he's a relatively new cast member, but he's still, he's, he's part of the the trio there. Um, But they, there was a related podcast was like, Hey, if you like Marvel by the month, you might enjoy werewolf by night. I'm like, okay. Sure. I checked it out. I was like, oh, these guys are funny. Like, yeah. it's like, like these stories are ridiculous and they yep. know it. Like, and it's great. And then now you guys are in the, uh, the man wolf, John Jameson stories. And those are bat crap insanity. Oh, they're crazy. They're absolutely insane. So our second season, uh, yeah, we, we wanted to talk about Marvel's number two lycanthrope, John Jameson, who is the son of J. Jonah Jameson. He was an astronaut. <laughs> he was a regular character in these yeah. stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a regular character. Like, like, well, John Jameson showed up in the very first issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Like, he's there from the very beginning. Yeah. And, and so in the 70s, they decided to, um, well, he was, an ast- he was always an astronaut. And they decided to make him a werewolf, but make him a science werewolf. So he he goes to the moon, he finds a a glowing rock on the moon and uh, somehow is compelled to steal it. It bonds with his skin and it turns him into a werewolf. So that's 70s Marvel in a nutshell for you. I mean, it makes total sense to me. It makes total sense. They had Morbius, who was kind of a science vampire, not really a normal vampire. So they decided to go with a, a science werewolf and the stories are crazy. So the, oh. the first bit of them are all pretty like standard werewolf fare. And then a writer by the name of David Kraft David takes Kraft, this yep. story 
and decides to transport John Jameson and the Manwolf character into this other dimensional realm that is sword and sandals, Conan, Flash Gordon, and it's uh it's it's crazy. We we just had a, a, a great guest, Joe Keating, on, who's an amazing Marvel author and a, yes. author of other books that I just truly love. And he understands Bronze Age weirdness. And that's what we love. We love Bronze Age weirdness. And the John Jameson Manwolf Star God saga is <sighs> the strangest stuff that ever happened at Marvel in the 70s. Like, Maybe that ever happened in Marvel. It, honestly, hmm. if like... I didn't hear, and I, I, I actually uh, direct messaged you this earlier. Like, I didn't know I needed this. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have gone my whole life not knowing that the Star God saga existed <laughs> and that it should have been more than two issues. Yeah, like, well, that's like, the cool thing is that, you know, there was a, a complete Man Wolf collection. Marvel released a trade of it in 2019. And the two issues that deal with the other realm and Star God of Marvel Premiere are now on Marvel Unlimited. So this is a story that you couldn't be exposed to unless you happen to have the original two issues that came out on the newsstands. Yeah. And so now we just are so excited to bring people to this story because it's so insane and so oh. much fun. And now you can, I mean, if you have your Marvel Unlimited subscription, you can you can just read it or you can try and track down the Man Wolf um, collected uh, edition. But yeah, it's great. And I'm just and and everyone that's been exposed to this story has had the exact same reaction that yeah. you did. Like, I didn't know that I needed this, but now I need all of it. <laughs> and and there's only two issues. Like David Craft yeah. and George Perez, one of the greatest comic artists to have ever lived, yeah, got his start doing this. And and they had this entire thing planned out. I bet they had 30 issues plotted out of Easy. This. Easily. Easy. And, and it was all based on David Kraft wrote this weird sand and sword and sandals like epic when he was in high school and saved it this whole time and just adapted it when he got this man wolf gig. And oh man, it would have been so great, but they it got canceled for various reasons and they weren't able to do the whole thing, but they were given two issues of Marvel premiere in, uh, in the late seventies to finish it up and they do a great job at it. So, yes. I mean, at least we have that. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, as I, I just finished the, the second half of the saga and, and now I know that minstrels will sing songs of, <laughs> of the, of the star God saga. For the rest. Oh, it's it so funny listening to Matt, not really get through that part. <laughs> <laughs> None of, we couldn't. I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, when, when you're doing a, a show about Bronze Age weirdness, about 70s weird Marvel, you there's a there's a balance that you have to strike where you can't just totally eviscerate this stuff and make fun of it. Oh. You have to love it. Like you have to love it and lovingly poke fun at the ridiculousness of it. And that's what that's how you need to enjoy the weirdness. Yes. And we feel like Everyone that hasn't been exposed to it, that gets exposed to these 70s horror titles at Marvel, it changes you. It just oh, makes yeah. you love comics more to realize that the, during this weird Wild West time at Marvel, like anything went and there's all sorts of crazy <laughs> stories that happened. And yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Everyone is taking their biggest swings for the fences, storytelling wise. And a lot of it didn't work and didn't sell because it was too weird. Yeah, yeah, but that's what we celebrate. That's what we try and celebrate with the show, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It so it, 
listeners of across the biofrost seriously go check out werewolf by night um and uh, they've got a lot of awesome stuff coming up in the next few seasons because you guys are about to kind of take a turn um and i'd love to talk to jacob you know a little more like in our patreon part of this conversation like sure where is werewolf by night going uh because you know like there there is you guys have set kind of a, a limit on the the time you want to cover with these characters and also the kinds of characters you want to cover and um like I, i'm a patreon follower uh mm-hmm. patreon you know supporter for you guys and i'm a proud pack brother mm-hmm. um and uh like it was exciting to be a part of the process of where the show is going. Uh, and I'm really excited for where it's going next. So, um, yeah, we have, we have ideas, we have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but today we're here to, like I said, talk about this run of Thor, Jason Aaron's Thor. And I wanted to start this part of our conversation by asking, uh, Jacob, like your personal history with Thor as a character. Like your your introduction, you know, kind of your 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 journey with him, because you've said that you really enjoy his stories. So why don't you just kind of take us on that journey? Uh, sure. Your personal history. Yeah, I know exactly what uh, what um, my intro to Thor was. Uh, my uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I I should say I'm a I'm a child of the Jim Shooter era. Like I, yeah. I I was born in 1977, so in the early 80s, early to mid 80s, you know, I was a little kid, and I was picking up my first kind of you know non kitty comic Marvel stuff. So yeah, my my first Hulk was Joe Fixit. My first uh, <laughs> my first Spider Man costume, like aside from the kitty stuff, was the Black Secret Wars suit. Um, my first X Men comic was the Mutant Massacre. Um, my Good first Thor issue was number 337 with Bader Bray Bill smashing the cover. That was my very first introduction You've to Thor. Got to be kidding me. Off the newsstand. So I got that because of the cover, obviously. Like I saw the cover and I'm not being totally policed on what I'm buying now. It's not just Richie Rich and, 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 you know, the yeah. kid stuff. So I'm, I'm a allowed to get this comic i pick it up i'm like oh thor i love this you know i already kind of was into mythology at a really young age so i kind yeah. of had an idea what the character was and so i picked this um issue up which if i'm not mistaken is the very first walt simonson it, yeah writing it's his drawing. first story as writer it's the, and it's artist first story and oh i pick gosh, it up it's and so it's cool. thor and then it ends up with at the very end of the issue you know beta ray bill picking up the hammer and and the mantle of thor so i feel like i was made for this particular Jason Aaron run because right? I don't uh, someone else becoming Thor doesn't bother me I'm just like as a little kid I was just like oh that must just happen like every like 10 issues or something right like that's a thing like this horse alien god now is Thor so cool <laughs> I'm excited for this and it's funny I've gone back you know I love the Simonson run I love it so much and I think it's one of those things that even though really all the comics that I that I just listed, I think going back and revisiting them as adults, they're still super good. Yeah. Like obviously the the Simonson Thor run is one of the greatest things to ever happen in comics, but also like, you know, the Mutant Massacre run is really awesome. Um yeah. the the I I love the Peter David um, you know, Todd McFarlane Joe Fixit Hulk run too is really yeah. great. So no, I, we we talked about this in an episode earlier of the werewolf by night podcast how you know 
Uh, a gym shooter is kind of a, a favorite punching bag for a lot of people. You know, he, he yeah. ruffled a lot of feathers. A lot of creators really hate him. He's a very divisive figure. But but um, we were talking with Matt and with our guest Joe Keating about how we just we, we think he's been he, he's been kind of done wrong historically. We feel like he 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 allowed the artists and writers freedom to do these really weird things that, you know, maybe a Roy Thomas or a Stan Lee wouldn't have let a horse alien God pick up yeah. the mantle. Wouldn't have allowed Jean Grey to be killed as Phoenix. Wouldn't allowed all this other weird stuff that happened. Yeah. And so I, I think it was a real, it was a real fertile ground in the eighties for new um, exciting things to happen and things to be changed up. Yeah. And well, so, I think, I was just going to say, like, with the comparison of Stan Lee and Roy Thomas, I think one of the things that I know the Marvel by the Month guys talk about a lot. Um, I've heard other references. This is really this podcast right now is just a uh, it's just a commercial for Marvel by the Month. Um, yep. I, wonder if we, I wonder if we can get some ad revenue from, yeah. from that. Uh, but um, really, that what they talk about a lot is that Roy Thomas tried to repackage Stan Lee ideas for just the next decade. And so now like in the eighties, you're getting the Jim shooter era where it's like, okay, we're going to try some new stuff. We're going to try and make a crap ton of money and we're just going to throw stuff at the wall. And if it sticks, it sticks. Yep. Because, you know, that was also the, um, you know, uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's also Secret Wars. Uh, yeah, I mean, Shooter's big thing was Secret Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, doing these big like, crossovers, you know, toy lines, you know, all this kind of stuff, kind of uh, really bringing Marvel into the 80s when it comes yep. to, you know, I mean, the 80s was a boom for cartoons and, you know, action figure lines and all that kind of stuff. And Marvel was, you know, doing their best <laughs> to, like... Get yeah, they're that. doing their best, but you know, Shooter kind of supercharged Marvel for better <laughs> or for worse. And and you know, a lot of people hate Secret Wars. I get it. Like I've gone back and reread it, and it's not high art by any means. But <laughs> you know, I was an eight-year-old kid and thought it was the greatest thing that I've ever read, and <laughs> wanted all the action figures. And like, yeah. I, I was the target audience. So uh, so I'm I'm always going to have a, a a soft spot in my in my heart for that. But I get it. You know, I. Yeah. A lot of the creators that we love in the Bronze Age, you know, Marvel, where it was the Wild West, a lot of these guys didn't like Shooter because Shooter came in, became the editor in chief and tried to rein these guys in was basically like, okay, guys, like you've been doing whatever you want, but it's not really selling. It's not really doing well. Like we need to run it as a company. And a lot of these guys were just like, no, this is this is where me and my friends come and tell weird stories. And you want to talk about making money and everything. <laughs> and so it was That's really a, corporate, man. <laughs> I know, right. It's your. Yeah. So it's. A, yeah. He was a bad guy for to a lot of these guys. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. They they had their they had their ways. They had their own little kingdoms. But um everybody everybody wanted to be homer simpson and he was mr yep. burns yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah pretty much so but you know sometimes uh, but yeah but sometimes you need a weird corporate guy to to you know make you try different things and and i don't know i don't know you can yeah. people get people will argue till the end of time about jim shooter and whether he was a hero or villain to to marvel but i i i think he saved the company in a lot of ways and so like, that's... I mean, there, we just mentioned three, you know, editor in chief, you know, uh, editor in chiefs of Marvel, you know, everybody knows Stanley. He's, he's now a pop culture kind of icon, oh, you yeah. know, comic book fans know Roy Thomas because he's just been around for ever. And he was kind yeah. of the, he was the, I mean, 
he's still he's still like alive today which is nuts like oh, yeah. you know he's still you know uh it's at least somewhat involved in the comic books you know world jim shooter's a, a huge divisive name but then like you have like guys like len ween who like was mm-hmm. editor-in-chief for a cup of coffee and yep. it's like you know yeah not everybody can do this not, no know, not everybody no. should to, do this to be editor-in-chief at 70s marvel was an impossible job a, a guy that we love who was a co-creator of werewolf by night jerry conway he yeah. literally had the job for like three weeks i think and Len Wein, uh, surprisingly, like he made it like a year, which was really good. And then there's yeah. Marv Wolfman. There's all these other guys that tried to do it, but they didn't want to be boss. You know, they yeah. didn't want to make the hard decisions. They wanted to hang out with their friends and be cool, which, which yeah. I would. I don't want to be the fucking editor of Marvel in the 70s. No. Like, that'd be terrible. I want to be the crea- I want to be the, the, the Dave Kraft, yeah. the George Perez. Yeah, the- I want to be Jim Starlin. Like, I don't yeah. want to be these guys. Like, I don't want to be in charge. I want to make my weird acid jesus warlock tales and yes. just you know i want to yeah. i want to take warlock into space and have him yep. do all this weird shit that's right like, that's right uh, that's yeah, way more no. fun than being or like you know crunching numbers like with our subject matter like walt simonson like yeah all that stuff thor's been up to for like 200 issues you know uh you know uh all the way back to when kirby left the book and it became kind of irrelevant for a long time yep, for you a know, long how about time. you literally quite literally smash it yeah and start over like it's i think it's one of the greatest reinventions of a marvel title ever i mean i think i mean obviously simonson's a god but i still don't think he gets as much credit as he deserves he deserves all the credit all the credit you could possibly heap on that guy as an artist and writer he's just he's so cool and from interviews from other people talking about him he seems like a super cool guy like just a really nice really caring um you know loving creator and that's just then that's what you want out of these uh out of, out of these stories and i think yeah simonson really laid the template for thor being the mantle of thor and that anyone yeah. anyone can wear it even though i i don't know i went back so another thing that i kind of became obsessed with i think in high and middle school was getting all the back issues of the original what if run oh. and so and and what if issue 10 literally is called what if jane foster was thor <laughs> yep. it and is so, one it yeah. that book is so bonkers crazy like, it's so crazy if you're gonna go read a what if comic <laughs> go read that one and by the way if you think it's gonna end a certain way it will not like oh it will not it ends in the weirdest and creepiest way possible <laughs> Like, like, I, I, I know I actually just reread that, you know, kind of in when I was doing the prep for this kind of rereading stuff, I was like, Oh, I love that issue. And I have the collecteds of what if because I love them. And I went and reread that. And I'm like, that's crazier than what I remember the last time I read it, like five years ago. I was like, Nope. It's like, you get to the end of that. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, you think that Jane Foster calling herself Thordis would be the weirdest part of the issue. It is not. Uh, that's the most normal part tip of the iceberg on the weirdness scale but uh i'm sure we're gonna probably cover that issue in in full so i should hope so because it's amazing oh and it's just so oh it's creepy it's weird it's so creepy oh it's gross yeah it Um, is it really is uh, speaking of jane foster becoming thor and kind of like bridging that gap between you know you picking up the friggin' first appearance of beta ray bill and walt simonson's first issue of thor which yep. makes me insanely jealous like 
bridge the gap for us like what was your introduction to jason aaron's thor because we're gonna we're gonna dig into these issues and really talk about one of his crowning achievements well i i really think that you know like every comic fan i came in and out of you know superhero comics of comics of the big two um in and out over my adult life and i had just kind of come back in right around the time that jason aaron took over thor I think it was um, was it Kieran Gillen or uh, or Fraction that came right before uh, Aaron? Whatever the oh, gosh. can't remember which one. Which I've read both those runs and both. Are, I want to say Fraction. Points. I, I want to say was Fraction, Fraction because Fraction, Fraction Koipel, right? I think yeah, that's how you yeah. pronounce his name. Fraction yeah. was the one that took over around the release of the first Thor movie. So okay. I believe it was Fraction. Yeah, which um which I understand a lot of people don't like that run and I totally get it. I, I totally understand everyone's um, criticisms of that one. I like it for like, I love fraction. He's one of my favorite comic authors of all yeah. time, but I, no. I almost love it more when he takes big swings and completely misses. I just love <laughs> that he does that. And he doesn't just take a big swing and miss and then be like, Oh, I got to pivot. I got to do something else. No, he just sees it through. <laughs> And yeah. I really think that's what his Thor run is. Yeah. It's it's great. It's 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 a big swing and it's bonkers and it incorporates lyrics from the mountain goats into it. So I love it. <laughs> like I, everything about that. I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm here for this." Totally. And then it was um yeah, and before that it was the Kieran Gillen um Journey into Mystery run, right? Yeah. And, the, and Thor and all that, which I also really liked. I went yeah. back and read that cuz I didn't get that when it came out, but I went to my um comic shop in Portland, Oregon, which is called Excalibur Comics. And I got a box again, a pull list right around the time that Aaron took over Thor. So I got Thor number one oh. because I was, you know, Thor had always been one of my favorite characters. I was like, oh, you know, I didn't, I haven't paid attention for a little while. I'm just going to get this. And yeah, I mean, I was hooked because he's a master and I feel God like Thunder I, number one. Oh. Yeah, I got a Thunder number one. And it was just it was so good. And the and you know, the three Thors in time and just the whole thing that he was doing was very fresh. So it was very exciting. And um, so again, I maybe I'm just really lucky with Thor. Like I just come in at the right times, you know? Like yeah. And, um, but yeah, that was my and so I I pretty much got all of Aaron's Thor run, I think, up until I think I fell off a little bit after this, maybe like the Thor the Unworthy. I think I kind of fell okay. off a little bit there and then went back and did some catching up because I kind of pared down my list as yeah, as we all do. But um, but I uh no, I think I think Aaron is a is a easy number two for greatest um Thor writers of all time. And there's a good case that he's as good as Simonson, honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say you probably you're probably talking uh you know and, and they're they're completely different masters totally like um you know simonson's themes are very different than jason aaron's themes and i think that one thing is the themes definitely reflect the man they definitely reflect the man and i think that simonson being a writer and artist is is oddly gonna give him a leg up and not like the art and Aaron's run is bad my god you have ribbick you have um Dotterman, you have some of the great modern masters yeah I don't know. There's something about a writer artist where it's just, it, it, yeah. it does kind of have that extra X factor that, yeah. that 
you know, kicks it up a notch for sure. I I think in comparison and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump, we'll jump into some actual issues and get kind of your thoughts on um, the, the introduction of Jane as Mm -hmm. the, the wielder of Mjolnir. Uh, Simonson notably much like Jack Kirby was a student of the mythology and really yep. he highlighted the mythological implications of the characters you know simonson's asgard looks totally different you know yep. his his vibe and his feel like it feels more like a like a norse city village whereas like jack kirby's asgard is this like star wars space utopia well it's and, just it's it's kirby so it's yeah it's gonna be unlike anything else i mean his brain yeah. is unlike any other brain that's ever existed on earth yeah. and so his stuff is gonna be so unique and weird but yeah i felt like simonson stuck more to the mythology even the yeah. kirby did in a lot of ways and and when i when i say that about kirby it's more like the, his attention to detail in the tales of asgard he was For very sure. like he was very meticulous the the tales of asgard stories are honestly probably better than the main story in a lot of those early thors but now i've completely gotten on my soapbox and uh, no you're absolutely right i mean i think that i i I think you're totally right along along but like you said along comes jason aaron and this is the uh fifth or sixth uh i believe it's the fifth part of our jason aaron retrospective so we've been taking listeners part by part uh, kind of storyline by storyline through the uh, works and the adventures of Thor. And now we've come to an, a pivotal point in the story. And we've covered some of these issues before. So if you want to go check out some of the backlog issues or uh, uh, episodes of the podcast, we talk about these issues with uh, some other great friends of the podcast, Josh and Will. We mm-hmm. talked about the first five issues of this uh, little story. We're going to, with Jacob tonight, we're going to talk about all eight issues of this first Jane Foster centric Thor story. And one thing you need to know going into this part is that Thor is not worthy to lift Mjolnir. He's now going by the name of Odinson. He, you know, he, through the process of this story, he'll give up the title of Thor, but that's really the only thing you need to know going into this story. And Jacob, like, what was your impression of the, uh, of this story? Maybe the, the first part of the story, because we're going to get into the second part um more on a more detailed uh basis so well i think like like i i don't think that i i mean i think there were some tie-ins with the so the um the event that this kind of spins out of is original sin correct correct and so that that ends yeah on on the moon and so so mjolnir is on the moon and thor is unable to pick it up yes and and so damn you nick fury (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Nick Fury, the Watcher. Yeah, all that, all that stuff. And so, I don't think I read like the main series of Original Sin because, like, <laughs> Mars, like, like most Marvel fans, like, I'll get into half of the events and then the other event, half of the events, I just throw giant tantrums and I'm like, why should I read this? Why should I read all these tie-ins? I shouldn't have to do this. And then you know, and then I. <laughs> lose faith and then get it back again and i I really think all of us go through that the revolving door (laughs) it is it is it's just like i and and i've i've looked back kind of kind of uh, you know and look at my track record and i'm like i'm an every other event guy i like i I pay attention to every other event and sometimes i pay attention to the wrong one (laughs) like sometimes i go back and i'm like oh i shouldn't have done that like I, i should have paid attention to this one but yeah so I don't think I I really knew too much of the backstory of Original Sin, but in this first issue, 
honestly, I did kind of didn't need to in no, a lot you of don't. ways. Like, I, I mean, the first issue, uh, you know, I think it's at the, I, I don't know, the first issue of this actually is, is I think, a really great first issue of a series because... I mean, Absolutely. what does it start? It starts with like attack sharks and frost giants uh, invading like a, a Roxxon underwater base. Sharks are Aaron's thing. It's oh like he fits sharks everywhere. It's so, <laughs> it's so cool. And and so it's super great. Like uh, like a lot of these first five issues are, and, and going back and rereading them, I think I've reread them. You know, I read them when they came out. I have all the yes. singles of this and I read them when they came out. Uh, I think I reread them again when I got Marvel Unlimited because they're buried in some kind of long box somewhere. And so, and then I reread them again for this. And and I think for the first five issues, I was shocked at how action packed they are. Oh, like they're, like, it's nonstop. It's just, it's nonstop. I mean, and somehow he's able to get story across and there's exposition and things like that. And you understand all the story beats. But it's honestly in between giant punches and frost giants heads exploding and uh it's it's kind of crazy like it's i don't know aaron by this point is such a master yeah like he's a master of the craft he's a master yes. of the medium at this point and i i think he's i think he's going to be remembered as one of this era's greatest comic writers and as I prolific as he is like my god the amount of issues he's putting out every month right now yeah. It's crazy, but and I haven't read it all because I'm I'm just one man. Like I don't. I, but and I assume you have to work. <laughs> I do. It's I have like... to work. I have to hang out with my wife. I, I, you know. But um. But yeah, I uh, his his quality seems to be, it seems to be pretty consistent. Yeah. Like as a writer, he seems to just be really good at what he does, and I think yeah. Marvel is very lucky to still have him. Yeah, it, it um, talking about the the first few issues of here and just how um, it really highlights Jason Aaron's craft. Uh, the other the other part of this equation and and um, but Jason Aaron is he is the dream guest that I want on this show oh, someday. Yeah. I've I've been lucky enough to email with him twice mm. and I've been like, hey, maybe someday. That's um, awesome. But the other the other gentleman that's part of the one of the main linchpins of this creative team is Russell Dodderman. And I believe like the look of Jane is Dodderman. Like his yes. the design for this character is so simple but badass and cool and and a lot of the you were talking about the action, a lot of the dynamic action scenes, it's just him being like, "You know what? I'm going to make her instantly instantly feel like a big deal and the oh, first yeah. five issues she feels like a big deal well, and she feels already established and that's yeah. how that's how powerful a good character design is i i want to see a a side by side of 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 daughterman's goddess of thunder alongside don glutt's thordis from the uh what if, what if <laughs> issue i want to see the oh difference between those character designs <laughs> because they are night and day it is the worst design and the best yeah. design and it's the same damn character the the what the what if jane foster what yep. uh, uh thor issue she almost looks like she's just doing thor cosplay it's so bad it's just such a bad design but you're right the uh, russell dodderman you know and i wasn't i honestly don't think he did a ton of stuff before this i don't think so either 
I think he did. He did a. He didn't he do like some kind of mini series of Cyclops with like Rucka or something. I think like Greg Rucka or uh, I think he did a few things before this at Marvel, but this was the first time I'd ever seen his work, and it's it's spectacular. And we're so used to Ribic at this point, you know, with all of the totally stuff before, style. totally different style. But I was not let down or disappointed at no. all. And Esau's, no. my God, that's a high bar. Like it, that well, is like, a high bar to set. Ribic is Ribic. You feel like when you look at a comic that Ribic is writing or uh, he's drawing, and Jason Aaron is writing, you're like, I feel like I'm holding something with weight. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like I'm holding something <laughs> that like it's heavy to be in a museum. Like yeah. the way the way that he draws Gore the God Butcher, the way he draws Galactus, like it, it's like Galactus is already a big deal. Yeah. But like the way Ribic draws him, he feels even bigger. You no, know, I mean, his, his style, it's like an old master painting or something. It's like know? a Renaissance like, painter. It, it is <laughs> like, like it's, it's such a high level and, and, you know, and Donnerman is totally different, but, but is still honestly yeah. just as good in a different way. I, I, when I, when I, when I read a, when I read a comic that Russell Donnerman has drawn, it reminds me of like, I, I, I just kind of generally Jacob, like I, I'm, I like, bright kind of like dynamic mm -hmm. things like um <laughs> listeners of this show know that i'm never far away from referencing this guy uh, like i love the works of tom taylor because mm -hmm. tom taylor always partners with artists that are like big bold colors and and that, yep. like dodderman is like that for me so when i'm reading these jane foster issues these are some of my best uh, my favorite issues to go back and reread because the art is so good and it's 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 very easy to to read along with whereas like when i read an esad ribic thor story i'm like okay i've got to sit with this for a while yeah it is it's yeah, like it, you know both it's, good it's... both good of just different uh variations of good so Def definitely different but i but i think e i think equal artists and i think yeah. it's unfair so so um we had a different issue. We had a different artist for issue five of this series, which is uh, Jorge Molina. Which and I was not a fan of, I'll be honest. <laughs> no. And, 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 you know, over at Werewolf by Night podcast, we like to keep it positive. We always try and keep it positive. And I don't dislike what Molina did, but I feel like he went in trying to copy Ribic. I feel like there's a painterly style to it, but it's yeah, cold. Yeah. The color, it's the not... coloring was very different. Yeah, I just um so so that was it was a bit of a whiplash when you get to issue five because yeah. I mean and issue five is so weird too because it's the non-action issue. It's all <laughs> exposition, it's all mystery, it's all yeah. just just people talking. And hey, I love Bendis. I can deal with comics of people talking <laughs> for 30 pages. I'm totally cool with that. I love Bendis. But <laughs> but but you know, I I just it, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a letdown. I I'm I'm I know yeah. he's a he's a very talented artist. I know he's he's gone on to do a lot of things, but I think yeah. he was probably put in an impossible situation of having to play in the sandbox with Ribic and Dodderman. And how the yeah. hell do you do that, man? I mean, how? And 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 really, you're you're get you're guest you're being a guest artist. Yeah. In a book that like. This writer, this writer that you're working with has got so much steam behind him. Oh, yeah. And, like and, and of most. course, to, to, to Jorge Molina, like it's a job. 
Like, yeah. like, you know, he, he gets, he gets the assignment, he gets the opportunity, he works on the opportunity and then Dodderman takes back over uh, the next issue. But it kind of reminded me of in the middle of the God of Thunder run, uh, Ribic takes a storyline off where right. Ron Garney comes in and Ron mm-hmm. Garney was a vet you know at that at that point and he yep. like his style was different than Assad Ribic's and um so, somehow that didn't feel as big of a disconnect it um, didn't which is weird because Garney and Ribic couldn't be more different honestly it, but, maybe it was something more with the writing I, I don't know maybe the, no but you're right like for some reason Garney didn't feel as much of a departure as uh as Molina did in yeah, this but one. but like regardless Jason Aaron is working with, you know, like Jacob said, masters of the craft. Uh, and, you know, obviously, obviously there are colorists and letterers and inkers like, you know, the, all, all the, it takes it takes a village to create a beautiful comic. And the first five issues, really, um, they establish Jane as a credible hero, but we really oh, yeah. don't find out anything about her identity under the helmet at that point. Thor is kind of, he's initially offended that someone has taken up the hammer. He goes to fight her and they have a great fight scene. And she's like, Hey, I'm just, I'm like, there's always got to be a Thor. There's always got to be a Thor. And currently you really can't be Thor. So like, you know, he's like, you said what? And you know, this, they they have that conflict, (laughs) but in issues six through eight, we get more of a, I feel like we get more of a storyline. It's not just a wham, bam, you know, fight to no. establish that she's a big deal in six through eight Thor. Thor is really the, the point of view character in, the, in this process still. Cause he's trying to figure out who holds the hammer, who is she? And um, I, I think we're, we're just going to pick up in issue six, Jacob, if that mm-hmm. works for you. Works um, for me. And uh, we're going to, we're going to, well, for those of you that maybe don't know, Malekith, Malekith, the um, the dark elf, the king of Svartalheim, uh, he is he is really Jason Aaron's big bad when it comes to the end of his run ending in War of the Realms. And throughout Aaron's run, he's laying all these seeds of the conflict that Malekith is trying to connect different people against Asgard and against the Nine Realms. So when we jump into issue six... The, the cover, the cover, which is beautiful. I'm actually being able to use my physical floppy issues today. And I've never done That's that awesome. on the podcast. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just fantastic. The cover for issue six is just phenomenal. It's, uh, it is because it, 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 it tells you everything you need to know about the issue without hitting you over the head with it. Cause the, yeah. we have the main title, um, which, which is Thor, but then it's kind of changed. It says, who is Thor? And then it has yeah. the, you know, has the uh, the outline or silhouette of, of yeah. the goddess of thunder. And then within that, there's all these different women of Marvel. And so yeah. it's, it's, yeah. And then these are all people that uh, could possibly be on Odin son's list of yeah. like who, who the goddess of thunder could be. Yeah. It's a masterful cover. It really, really is. And then and we quickly, we quickly jump into, uh, we jump back to Dario, Dario, the Minotaur, the CEO of everyone's favorite mega corporation, Roxxon. <laughs> um, it was funny when uh, when Roxxon shows up in the Loki TV show. Uh, great. I kind of knew I knew <laughs> what it was, and you know, someone was like, "What's uh, what's Roxxon?" I'm like, "It's not good. 
It's not good. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I didn't look this up. I'm just thinking of this now, but Aaron created Roxxon, right? Or did he just use it the best way? Well, see, I know. Oh, goodness. I don't know, to be honest, because I, I, I know I Dario. Just... Dario is a Jason Aaron creation. Yes. The Minotaur is is his. Um, I don't know if Roxxon is, though. Yeah, um, I think you're right. It might it may have been more in the. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm getting maybe he took he up. took it and just kind of made it made it his own. Yeah, you're right, because um, I think it does. It, it shows up in the uh, in the earlier uh, runs that we were talking about before that. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. No, I think I was thinking more of the Minotaur, more of Dario. And so, yeah, that's definitely an Aaron creation. He uses them. Um, really really well and it's a great character and it it you know and he figured pretty largely in the uh, immortal hulk run that just ended um yeah. last year i don't know if you had a chance to read that but i so uh truthfully i read about the first half of immortal hulk mm -hmm. and then i launched this podcast okay well there so, you go uh i mean immortal hulk is i mean al ewing is a you talk about another modern master oh, al is, ewing yeah. is you know is really hard to beat al ewing and al ewing actually for thor fans out there uh who you know if you're listening to this i can assume um you know you you need to go check out al ewing's low-key agent of asgard mm. it's like it's the proto so like if you want to not that al ewing was ever like a bad writer but like he'll he'll probably go down as being known for immortal hulk yeah but if absolutely. you want if you want something like the master before he was the master, like as he's becoming that ascendant talent, Loki agent of Asgard is really where you need to go. Yeah, that's um, a great miniseries. It really so, is. But yeah, I mean, Al Ewing wasn't quite Al Ewing in caps at that point. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. He was still kind of, he was still kind of figuring out his voice, but my God, immortal Hulk. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's right up there again, just like Jason Aaron's run is right up there with Simonson's um, Al Ewing's immortal Hulk is right up there with Peter David's Hulk. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's right at the top. Yeah. And, it, and, and again, completely different types of runs. 100%. Like something like immortal Hulk may never, ever be made again. Like it, no. because, because <laughs> it, it hadn't been done before. <laughs> you know and uh you know the green door man jeez yeah uh, well i mean it is it's a, that's the that's the amazing thing that ewing did is he's like you know the incredible hulk should be a horror comic it really should and that was yeah. and that's it and that just opened the whole thing to where yeah the hulk is horrifying and and Sorry. uh yeah wow just we're, how you man i know i know we're getting we're, we're getting distracted by amazing we're, uh marvel writers so we're getting delightfully yeah. off track and that's okay <laughs> um because part of exploring the world of of marvel's mighty thor is you explore all the little nooks and crannies along yeah. the way um yep. but when we jump into issue six um we get kind of reintroduced to you know how much of a scumbag dario is and we learn we actually learn his origin story which is nuts because it's you know, crazy. You find we find out that the way he became the Minotaur is he prayed, and he says he never prayed before, and what he didn't realize was he was in a labyrinth, which you know, Greek mythology, the Minotaur is inside the labyrinth, and uh, Dario becomes this cursed half man, half bull, you know, all rage kind of character. And uh, he he tears up a bunch of uh, you know pirate you know dudes, and then we jump forward, 
and he and Malekith are having a conversation where Malekith is Malekith is put on a different level in this run because he's he's a mastermind and every everything that the character wasn't in the dark world movie he is in this comic for sure and i think it's interesting how you know aaron uses um dario and malketh as i mean they're very similar in a way that they're both you know they're both masterminds they're they're both you know the the guys that are just playing everybody like chess pieces but they're also very different too I mean, I almost think that, yeah, yeah, Dario comes from a much more a place of rage. You know, he's always yeah. going to come. I mean, he's going to be in control. He's going, he has a long game. He has a long con, but he comes from pure rage. Yeah. And Malekith, you know, I, I still don't really understand his, uh, his motivation. He's very crafty. You know, you kind of understand, but yeah. Sometimes you think he just likes it for the game and other times, like I, sometimes I don't understand what his end game is. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think I described this once on the podcast. Someone was asking like, you know, obviously we associate Thor's main villain as Loki and that's, that's right. That's correct. But I said like, yeah, but Loki's a different type of villain. And if the, the, the Joker to Thor's Batman is Malekith. Yeah, which is yeah, he's he's completely insane and completely yeah. able to do really really evil stuff. Yeah, it's but like, but there's a there's a mystery behind that, and I mean Loki's just chaos. Yeah, he just likes to screw with people. Yeah, and I almost yeah. think that's his that's his motivation at all times. Like yeah yeah yeah, he kind of wants to rule Asgard. He kind of wants to do this, but he just wants to screw with people. At the end of the day, he just wants to set up these things that make people look stupid and all this other stuff. But yeah, Malekith has a, has a, has an evil behind him, but it's a, it's a strange evil. It is, yeah. it is a Joker type of evil. Yeah. And it's, it's very like cackling, like in the corner, kind of like, you know, exactly. I I'm, I'm going to get, it may not be today, but I will get you someday kind of thing. And then really for those of you that know, like this Jason Aaron's run is going to really it's going to come to a climax in war of the realms which yep. is malekith's big shining moment um and uh but yeah we still see malekith laying the groundwork here then we jump back to asgard and thor is questioning heimdall like hey how do you not know who she is out in the world <laughs> like for a watcher of the bifrost you're doing a real shit job uh, <laughs> <laughs> right and, and Thor kind of goes on his own little uh, side quest where he messes up some trolls down on Midgard because he's really just kind of taking out his frustration. And like I said, we're seeing this storyline through Thor's eyes. So he kind of just goes, he goes and has a conversation with Volstagg. He goes and has a conversation with Jane. Like he, he's kind of just going, he's retracing his steps almost to try and see as he missed something. And this is where, this really becomes like an Asgard PD kind of detective story yeah. where Thor's trying to figure out the identity of this mysterious woman of, you know, who's holding the hammer. Which, I mean, uh, a, a private detective trying to find out the identity of a mysterious woman, that's every noir film ever. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that's <laughs> every Sam Spade, you know. Thor, uh, yeah, Thor I mean, noir. Yes. Yeah, it is. And, and he's, he is a noir detective. You know, he drinks, he's depressed, he doesn't know what's going on. He has like a kind of a mystery. He needs to figure it out, but he's, 
he's going at it kind of in the wrong way like he's like like he's he's humphrey bogart in the maltese falcon like he's yes. just it, it's really great <laughs> and i feel like that's a real choice that aaron is making because it's very obvious like yeah like the last three issues of this of this mini run are completely different tonally than the first five issues it's a total left turn yeah yeah absolutely because as thor is trying to you know weed through the the different options uh, he comes he comes to he comes to jane and the conversation with jane like thor comes away from it being like okay there's no she she can't like she's not on the list so he, she crosses him off and i love how jane is written here like yeah. jane is jane is written exactly like what she is at this point in thor's history she is a former lover who has turned kind of like friend but they still have deep feelings for each other yeah there's still a chemistry there and she's so charming oh like on her yeah. deathbed basically well, yeah, she's still deathbed, so she's charming, charming. You know, it's just like, is there really a shirtless god of thunder standing in front of me? <laughs> like, oh, she's Jane, come so on, be cool. <laughs> yeah, she's so cool. And so I was trying to go back. So when did we establish in Aaron's run that that Jane has breast cancer? Like, like when was it, that exactly established? It's, I believe it's it's uh, who issue eleven or twelve of God of Thunder. But it's a while ago oh, like oh like yeah aaron aaron plays such a long game like in reading his stuff in going back and rereading it you don't realize when you're getting it month by month oh but when gosh, you see no. it on the whole you're just like holy shit, he planned this years ago yep like so, it's crazy one of my favorite like one of my favorite things and and, and we were bound to get into this uh you know kind of uh, because because jane jane being thor was very contentious at the time um i would say that it's one of those it's one of those things that kind of like you know you're you're hyper masculine you know comic book readers which seems like an oxymoron a lot of the times like it is the, <laughs> they're like girl girl can't girl can't be thor thor not girl and it's like that's right um for those of you that think that jason aaron like first of all no one was going to tell jason aaron what to do nope like like he was at a at, at this point, he was writing Star Wars for Marvel. He was mm -hmm. writing Thor. Thor had finally come back to like mainstream relevance, like within the comics world. He was getting accolades out the friggin' wazoo. No one was going to tell Jason Aaron what to do. He he says that in one of the letter columns. Like uh, like listeners, go read the letter columns because Jason Aaron lays it all out there. Like no i actually had this in mind a long time ago and going yeah. back to when the diagnosis is referenced in i want to say 11 or 12 of god of thunder right there like that's the first kind of inkling where we hear this like jane doesn't want to receive asgardian treatment she wants mm -hmm. to do this the you know the quote old-fashioned way yeah. and she's proving her worthiness she's slowly kind of proving it over yeah. over a long time and uh we're we we've finally seen the culmination of it the idea that jason aaron was like well um the uh 
the liberals are after us so we need to make <laughs> guess i gotta make thor woke that's oh, what Mark means. Oh, so yeah yeah guys. i know it's it's such bullshit and i know that, <laughs> that there's people like com the, the comic skate people the people that that don't want their precious comics from when they were little kids to be any different and what i think about that when people say like you know i i don't want a girl thor I, I i don't want a black captain america you know and all these things that they're just like oh you're changing this just because you have an agenda or because of you know you you want to be politically correct and all this bullshit. and i think that people that don't want their comics to change and grow they're not fans of comics they're fans of nostalgia mm. and if you're a fan of the medium of comics you want things to grow and change because sequential yeah. art as a medium is the greatest things is it is the greatest thing that humans have ever created in my opinion That'll i think as a storytelling quote. device yeah i mean fuck it fire you know the car i don't care about that you know no no it's sequential fire art. In the car yeah no forget that it's it, <laughs> oh it, it's gosh. all sequential art from 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 cave paintings to comic books like like that is where it's at and that and and if so if you don't agree with using that medium to grow stories to change stories to try to appeal to an audience god forbid that's not middle-aged white guys like oh my god like that's crazy why would you do that and so yeah. like people that think that they're 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 fans of nostalgia they're fans of um of of not growing not changing of, of and it's 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 idiotic and yeah. so i just think that yeah, if you're a lover of comics, if you're a lover of the medium of comics, you want things to change. You want someone else to be Thor. And again, maybe I'm really biased from from my own childhood of being yeah. like, yeah, anyone can fucking be Thor. Yeah, a horse guy can be Thor. It doesn't the hammer matter. says so. The hammer literally says so. It's literally written on the hammer. It's in so the it's since journey into mystery 83 it has been it in the rules stanley and jack kirby yeah. put it there yeah there's so, no part, this isn't me, a new thing part of me kind of hopes that like as jack kirby's drawing that he's like someone's gonna friggin take this like crazy someday oh i think yeah like, i think kirby would have loved this man he oh my thought gosh it was great yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, I, spectacular. I know. No, and it's, I, and I mean, yeah, there's always going to be that who, who I really think is, is a vocal minority. I think that these, these, you know, comic skate people, these incel type of people that, that speak really loudly and just yeah. be like, no, 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 comics shouldn't be this. Comics should stay the, the way they yeah. are. But, but you know, comics are for everyone. And if we want this medium to continue, they need to be for everyone. We need other um, points of view. We need yeah. other things. You know, in, in Portland, there's so many comic stores that are all kind of similar. I mean, you know, yes. some are a little better than others, but there's this one store called Books with Pictures. Yes. That, that yeah. goes, um, that totally focuses on younger people and um, LGBTQ people. And it's a very um, inclusive space. And I know that people hate those words, but it really is. And that's what it should be awesome. like a comic shop. You should feel like when you go in there that you're accepted and that people want to tell stories and kind of point you towards stories that you like. And when I go into that shop, I'm like, oh, okay. Comics are going to be okay. Yeah. Like the medium is going to be fine. Like there's you, you go in there and you see kids like actual, you know, kids reading comics and it's, it's exciting. And so, uh, you know, change in comics and, and comics changing with the times should be exciting. It yeah. should be exciting for us. We're middle-aged white guys. And it, it should be very exciting for us because it means that 
the medium isn't going to die. It's yeah. going to continue. It's going to change. And uh, yeah, so screw all those people that um, <laughs> thought that these that these issues were too different. Like that's just such bullshit. It's it's like barely. It's first of all for comics, it's barely different. It's barely it's different. Barely different. <laughs> it's it's like we say, it's already happened, literally. Yeah. And what if ten? This yeah, isn't like, anything new. Uh, oh, like a uh, big <laughs> jacked up horse guy can do it. But oh no, God, I know a character. Oh, but... The second, the second oldest Thor character, Jane. Yeah. Can't, oh, okay. Whatever. I know. Um, it's, but, it's, yeah, I know. Speaking of uh, books with pictures, I've heard that referenced on, I believe Marvel by the month. And you guys have mentioned it before. Um, I feel like I have to do like a pilgrimage out there. Cause that's it's like, amazing. That's the comic book store that I want. Like, and like, we just don't have that here. Like, we just don't have it. And, well, you like, know, I mean, I don't, I think the more of them are popping up, but I think books with pictures, I mean, it's been around for a while. And I think it was a real pioneer in that. And that, you know, I mean, I have my comic shop that I've gone to in Portland since I was a little kid and I love it, but it's an old school comic shop. Yeah. And going into books with pictures, going into some of these new shops, it feels new and it feels yeah. exciting and you go in and honestly like to go into my favorite comic shop i didn't see a lot of kids in there like yeah. i didn't i didn't see a lot of you know people that didn't look like me it was just a bunch yeah. of people who looked like me and so and it wasn't exciting and it was kind of boring and i just i don't I don't know, like, and going in there, it, it really invigorated me. Like Katie, who owns it, is just so cool and is so tuned into what comics are and what comics are becoming. And it, it, it made me excited to go in there and see kids and other people that were just excited to read these new comics and indie comics and, and you know, not just, you know, a store that's nothing but the big two. Like it's uh, yeah, it was so cool. So no, I mean, comics, comics are going to be around for a long time. And these people that, you know, think that, yeah, that Jane Foster taking over as Thor is the end of the world. Uh, comics aren't for you anymore. So I mean, deal with that. I would, I would, okay. I would encourage you to think bigger, <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and you know, uh, I, I look forward to the day that I can read these Jane Foster issues with my daughter. Yeah, um, absolutely. My daughter How is cool. an energetic five-year-old who's, you know, it's like, yeah. she's already taken the world by, you know, by the horns. And uh, I want to like show her these like, Hey, like seriously, like yeah. in a small way, mm -hmm. anything is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And she's, and she's going to get there. You know, you're going to yeah. start her on the Raina, Raina Telegmeyer stuff. You're going to kind of, you know, she's going to move up to different things and, and yeah, eventually she will read this run of Thor and love it. And then, I, and then I have a, a whole, uh, I believe I have a whole run of, uh, of uh, Kelly Thompson, I believe it's Kelly Thompson, Captain Marvel. Um, that oh yeah. Are, oh, I, I am going to absolutely like butcher this it's either kelly thompson or uh kelly sue deconic well who, i mean uh, kelly sue deconic did the main did kind of captain marvel yeah oh, okay kelly, so kelly thompson cook over from kelly sue deconic so uh, i'm getting the kelly's mixed up uh yeah. but then i'll be like hey you should read these too uh but yeah. like yeah it's it's uh, just uh awesome and i'm glad that i'm glad that we had that part of the conversation because like i am a jane foster thor apologist uh to the day i die and her stories are good so um yeah we but there's another female character in here that thor's gotta get off the list and, and it's roz yeah and 
Roz Solomon is one of my favorite Jason Aaron creations. That's kind of like, you're probably never going to hear about Roz on like a list or it's like, you know, top five creations of Jason Aaron. You're going to see Gore. You're going to see Jane Foster Thor. You're probably not going to see Roz Solomon. I don't know. Don't you think Roz would make a top five? I mean, I know Aaron's created a lot of stuff, but yeah. anyone that reads these maybe, Thor maybe. runs loves Roz Solomon. Like what a cool character. She honestly, she should be top five. That's all. Yeah, she should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, she would have been like if Jane if Jane wasn't gonna end up as Thor, I think Roz would have been awesome. Yeah, number two for sure. Yes, because she oh, she's so oh, she's so awesome. Well, I mean Thor, you know, um, Odin's son in this thinks the same thing. Like he goes to he goes to he Roz goes before he thinks about. I mean, that's almost his first thought aside from Freya. You know, then then yeah. he's like, nope, nope, it's got to be Roz. No, it's uh, definitely not my mom. If it was definitely my not mom, my mom, that... she kissed me. So definitely yeah, that, not my uh, mom. That would have been really weird. Yeah. Um, that is one but of my favorite was... things Jane does. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so good. But honestly, that was our that was our that was our distract. Like they were really kind of since the first issue being like, oh, it's Thor's mom, right? Like it's got to be Thor's mom. Like that's that was our distract. That was our totally. like pay attention to this over here. And yeah, so he's, he's a, Jason Aaron is a stage magician. It's just like really was the card is over this. here, and it's like meanwhile it's right over here. But, um, but honestly, like I like I, I I can't remember when it came out. Like I can't remember because of I don't know pandemic brain and entering middle age to where I just I just can't remember anything from like a week ago but i'm trying to remember <laughs> as these issues came out if i guessed that it was jane before it was revealed i don't know that i did honestly yeah, i don't think i, I did I don't remember if i did either i think i went more towards Roz. i i thought it was going to be Roz in the end yeah i'd yeah. love to you know re you know do revisionist history and be like i knew it was jane all along of course I, I but can't, i can't say that i did <laughs> i don't um, think i did and i can't remember if anything was leaked or not like i don't know yeah. i i don't know i can't i can't remember the timeline 20 2015 I mean, at I mean, this point so that's, that's i mean yeah. that's eight years ago yeah that's a hundred years ago <laughs> so like, it's almost yeah. a decade which is insane to me yeah, um it, but the, the, this first the issue six ends with uh, with Odin um, throwing one of his classic, um, reliable, very predictable, um, big all father tantrums, and yep. and he also he also thinks that a woman should not be Thor. Uh, <laughs> of course he does. And, and he's he's like he gets his brother Cole uh, Cole Borson, the god of fear, who's you know just a uh all around good guy uh he hasn't tried to destroy you know the nine realms or anything um you know, he, he pulls it he pulls him out of like out of prison and he's like hey i want you to get into the destroyer armor cole's like cool down with it and he's like i want you to go down there and i want you to to mess up the 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 girl that's parading as uh my son my son's moniker he's like cool awesome uh love it uh, yeah. And he, uh, that, that's how the issue ends with the destroyer armor standing over Jane. And now we, to be continued. Yeah. Then we go on to issue seven. Was there anything else about issue six that kind of like stood out as we're setting the stage for this battle with the destroyer? Uh, no, for some yeah. reason, me and the, I, I, I'm the destroyer is not my favorite Thor character. Okay. Tell me more. Uh, I, I really don't know if I what I have to qualify this, but I just I get kind of 
like like when at the end of six when when you're like oh and it's the destroyer i'm like oh it's not just coal it's gonna be coal in the in the destroyer suit i was like oh okay all right i i get it i i know the destroyer that's that's fine i don't know why it was kind of a sad trombone for me at the end of that at the end of that issue i was like oh shit okay fine i guess it's the destroyer again like I, I don't know maybe it's used too much in modern thor comics maybe it's i don't know maybe it's just something it just seems like a, a i don't know it seems like godzilla or something like like something that makes a lot of noise but there's not a lot behind it in a way like, like yeah i don't i don't know maybe no, maybe i'm it. unfairly it. judging it but first yeah for some reason that's that's my instant like kind of visceral reaction to the totally. destroyers like all right fine um, I think I think it's honestly a way for her to beat up on a villain that she doesn't have to outright defeat. Um, no, you're you're right. I mean, as a story point, I totally get why she needs yeah. to. Yeah, she would she would need to fight the destroyer. It makes sense. But I think yeah, it, that's that's my own that's my own personal biases coming yeah. through. And 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 really like that that fight with the destroyer, it it leads to a pretty awesome like Avengers assemble kind of moment in the end of this next issue where Thor has kind of exhausted his, his list. He's like, well, great. Now I have no idea who, who this lady is. Mm -hmm. Um, And Freya kind of says to him like, yeah, you don't have, you don't know who it is, but we've got a list of people that could help us. (laughs) And so they assemble this army of all the lady badasses of the of the Marvel universe, like yep. we're talking everywhere from like uh, Valkyrie to Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, like and everybody in between, like you know Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, like, they all show up. They all come out of the woodwork. Uh, it's a it's a killer final. You're talking about the final oh, page, right? Yes, yeah, the final yes. page of that issue. Jumping ahead a little bit, just an amazing illustration. Like like uh, I don't know. I mean, we talked about Para George Perez earlier. You know, and just his ability to fit so many characters into into one illustration, and this is a real masterful way of doing that. Um, very similar in a way, like yeah, yeah. You see Scarlet Witch, you see Black Widow, got Captain Marvel in the background. It's just yeah, yeah it's it's really cool, and it's it's exciting. Like like at the end of this yeah. issue, I was excited. Like this is a, one thing that Aaron does so well is just ramping the story up issue to issue to where you know, I mean, I love a lot of comics, but. Jason Aaron comics, when you get a month to month, you just get excited. Like you just can't wait for the next issue. And then that's, yeah. that's a, that's a feeling you, you know, you don't, you haven't had since you were a kid, but with Jason Aaron comics, you're just like, Oh my God, I cannot wait. Yeah. His, his current Avengers run is a lot like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it always feels like it's like, Oh my gosh, what's next? <laughs> oh my gosh, what's next? Like it, yeah, you know, it's, it's bigger awesome. and bigger and bigger. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just kind of the way the way he likes to leave off issues mm-hmm. and um even his conclusions sometimes feel like oh oh that's concluded but like oh no no what about this part like it's you know he he has that rolling storytelling where you know the pieces keep fitting together at different points where you're like oh my gosh right thor did have the list of names it would make sense that he would use the list of names oh that's awesome like yeah things like that and uh, there in this in this issue, I'll kind of kind of go through this in an overview because it's a lot of uh, Malekith and Dario go off and do some stuff um, that is you know going to play in later on when they try to resurrect Laufey 
with the frost mm-hmm. giants um but really jane is going one-on-one with the destroyer most of this issue and yeah. there are some drop dead gorgeous panels oh, in for sure. this issue like this was the first one that i thought and i'll show jacob this on the on the video um here but like she's just it's just her looking yeah, it's and it's so it's us looking over the shoulder of the destroyer as she goes like full tomahawk like yeah. chop on on the destroyer with lightning behind her it's like this is daughterman yeah proving like hey by the way like like it's the most kinetic like energy and it's just it's so great it's so great like i can't even yeah. get a full sentence out it's so great no, and I feel like just like Ribic before him, Dodderman understands Aaron's storytelling. That this is uh, this is not watching it on your TV. This is IMAX. Like this is as yes. giant of storytelling as you can get. Like Dodderman gets it. Like he comes to play. Like he totally understands yeah. what he needs to do. And there's there's such an epic nature of his of his illustrations in the in these issues like yeah i mean i i know ribbick's gonna go down as as like probably one of the greatest thor artists of all time like i totally get that but dodderman's damn close and it and he is even though they're so different like we keep on saying they're very different but god he's just he's such a good artists like yeah and, and him and aaron just work so well together like they shouldn't work this well together like you understand ribic and aaron working well together they've had a lot of time a lot of giant yep. storylines to understand each other to understand each other's storytelling but man i mean aaron and dodderman have only had like i mean uh, you a few know, issues I mean, a few issues like like Melina drew five, but you know, they've had one through four and six. And so they, they I mean, they're they're new partners, really, but yeah, God, there's no learning curve. Like it just comes that he comes out swinging and it's perfect. And and the, so another another great page is when the Minotaur and Malekith go to Alfheim. <laughs> and the light elves just really can't catch a break when when jason aaron decides he's gonna pick on a race in 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 the nine realms it's usually the light elves yep. um and uh it, they just massacre a bunch of light elves to get uh, to get energy or blood for this spell they're gonna do later but the panel is a full page and it's like this like kind of like um phantasmal kind of like moving Malekith is doing this spell and the Minotaur's in the back he's headbutting a light elf as it flies off with green blood coming out of its throat you're just like yeah but but what? all this is over and the background is is a map it's a map like it's this beautiful map it's curling at the top right edge like it's so cool the layout on this page is so cool and it's totally Lord of the Rings like it's totally like it, Peter well, Jackson's interpretation of that map for and sure. Yeah, it, definitely. Like, it's it's right out of like a Tolkien appendices. It um, is. It's yeah, it's great. And then, but in the next on the next page, uh, we we see kind of a a very beaten, battered Jane getting up, and she's like wiping blood off of her mouth, and she's like, you know, eyebrows pointed down inward. She is no longer messing around like this is not the jane where she's like almost like peter parker where she's quipping back and Mm -hmm. forth with you know uh with herself and the enemy she says here 
uh, after the destroyer kind of like you know kind of almost looney tunes like smacks her up into the air she mm-hmm. comes back down and she says that will be the last time you strike me with my own hammer and it's, it's just like a great line like girl i believe you <laughs> like when you say yeah. that i believe you Oh, it's just, it's so cool. And just, and as she's saying that line, there's like electricity just coursing around her. Yeah. Like you can just oh. see like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really great. And, and at this point, the destroyer still has the hammer because the destroyer is, you know, the destroyer can hold the hammer. That's uh, something that's been established in Thor comics mm-hmm. and Jane uh, basically to get the hammer back, she channels all of this electrical energy through herself and at the at the top of one of the pages she just lets it loose like super saiyan style and it's like coursing out of her fingertips and it causes this like atomic bomb explosion and then she just like gets the hammer back and she's smiling (laughs) so like she had her badass moment and now she's like huh good hammer and then she she gives she gives a little kiss at the end it's so how do you not like this thor how do you not like her I, I know, I know. I don't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make anyone that tries to criticize these comics for, or honestly, for any way, because I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan and a student of comics. You are too. And it's, I mean, just as comic storytelling goes, these, these issues are top notch. Like everything about them is good. There, yeah. there really can be no, uh, I don't know. I don't understand how anyone yeah. couldn't like these. And then, like you said, it ends right after that page, you know, and and it's a great page of yeah, the destroyer page. Yeah, and then that final page with all of the women coming through with um with um you know says Prince Odin son of Asgard and yeah with with Prince Thirst Trap and all of the ladies coming. I mean, the line he says he's like uh, he says like (laughs) you will not stand alone this day, Thor. So swears Prince Odin son of Asgard, and then Freya says and his mother and their and their army and the last line is am i right ladies and this sea of of like all the females of the marvel universe come pouring out of this portal and you're just like you know what um that's a pretty formidable host right there yeah it's it's so cool and that's and yeah and that's that's such a great lead-in to the last issue of the series and yeah, and honestly, at this point, like, uh, like uh, the action is so amazing and the storytelling is so amazing. I'm not even thinking about who is the goddess of thunder at this right? point. Like, that's doesn't even like I've almost forgotten at this point yeah. that like, oh yeah, it was this huge detective story, but so much cool shit is happening. I don't even care. At yeah, this I point. mean, really, the 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 mystery of it all comes in at the at the second half of the last issue because the first the first page of issue eight is this humongous <laughs> almost kind of two-page spread of the the wave of you know of the reinforcements coming through thor has got yarn bjorn his big axe like behind his head ready to chop down on the destroyer <laughs> uh and angela his sister is you know wings spread uh captain marvel swooping in like the destroyer is going to get completely screwed up Yep. in this fight like he's not gonna win like they're not gonna win no. um and and uh, it's just a really great kind of rush to the finish of of this issue because the the destroyer is his his time is 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 counting down we'll put it that way yeah 
and uh, uh, there's some great, there's some great, like, I, I would love to know, Jacob, like your, like the interactions that the ladies have with each other. My, my personal favorite, okay. uh, Carnilla, Carnilla <laughs> has some good lines. Scarlet Witch has some good lines, but my favorite line by far, probably my favorite funny panel of this entire storyline is when Carol Danvers is talking to Jessica Drew and Carol <laughs> says, so what do you think? Yeah. And Jessica says, of what? Carol says, oh, of her, the chick with the hammer. And Jessica Drew says, oh, one word, Carol. She is hot. Yeah. And, and then Carol Danvers says, Jess, you're an idiot. Yeah, it's it's a great exchange. Like, it's 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 really good. No, no, the and it is it's kind of like, you know, we've gone from serious to kind of bantery. I mean, Aaron has a really good way of balancing that out. And I think with the when the ladies come in, there is a really good balance of there. There's some there's some good banter. But between the ladies, you know, we have I, I, I do love Black Widow just, you know, when when the Scarlet Witch says we're not even make a dent in this thing. How do we stop it? Black Widow's like bombs, which we re we need really big bombs, really big bombs. And, yeah. <laughs> And it's just yeah there's really great lines like like the dialogue is 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 very crisp but very funny uh, and uh no it's a great i mean this this issue is the culmination like aaron loves to bring storylines all together in this either big battle or big you know culmination of his story and this and this issue is is totally that like yeah. he's, he's doing his thing so good and, and 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 because of this display odin calls off he calls off the destroyer He's like he's like he's been you know so uh, publicly offended by mm -hmm. Freya, and um, he they're they're gonna they're gonna have their time to you know figure this out you know quote unquote, uh, but but he calls back the destroyer, and then we kind of get the epilogue. The epilogue is the epilogue is really the important part of this issue because now we we finally are gonna get some questions answered here and all the ladies kind of disperse uh sif has a great line in here uh that <laughs> thor thor has kind of played the fool here and i loved it because like they, thor is kind of a big bumbling brute most of the time most of the time uh, and, and and they uh they really played this up here where sif says uh he's talking she's talking to jane and she says you want my advice i would lose the hammer and the sidekick yeah or it's like sidekick <laughs> and she's like both of those will bring you nothing but trouble. Yeah. And uh, Sif, <laughs> Sif is talking from decades of experience with both of them. Yep. So if anyone's going to know, Sif is going to know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great exchange. But it's funny, you know, I mean, the yeah, the action. I mean, this is a huge action start. You know, it's like eight or nine pages of super action. But then uh, he doesn't just leave one or two pages to kind of tie things up. He leaves like ten pages. Yeah. So that the tone totally shifts back into this into this very thoughtful, like kind of a detective story, but really wrapping all these threads that he's had up in these last eight issues. He 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 weaves them all together in these next like yeah eight or nine pages really really well. Be because Thor is like, hey, um, we've still got some business to take care of. Like, I, who are you? Like, I need to know who you are. And and he kind of goes down the rabbit hole. He's like, I know it's you, Roz. I I, I know it's you. <laughs> and then Roz shows up in her flying car, and she's like, I've been looking 
everywhere for you and oh, she even says to to, to thor uh to, to jane she's like you almost got me killed lady <laughs> like and 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 Roz kind of like reads her the riot act and yeah. it's like you know uh i've been everywhere you know i almost got blown up you know all this kind of stuff and thor's kind of sitting standing there bewildered like um you were kind of the one that I thought was her. So well, it's great. If you look at that page, like, uh, like Donnerman has his expression just... exactly the same in those three panels. He's just kind of has his mouth open. It's so funny. It's such a nice little, little touch to just have his expression unchanging as these ladies are having this intense conversation. And Thor's just like, ah, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I thought I had it. <laughs> and, and then, uh, Jane says, you know, basically, um, I uh, think you guys have some stuff to discuss and she flies off takes and, off. And, and I just want to, I want to, I want to read, I want to read how this run ends and then we can kind of break it down and, and then sure. we can, uh, we can, we can wrap this puppy up. So Jane says, um, as a, as the narration goes, she says, I don't like having to sneak around and hide. It makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong, but all I'm doing is what I swore I would do. When I was a little girl standing over my mother's grave, I, uh, uh, I hide because I won't, because uh, I want, I won't want to be stopped, and they would try to stop me. If they ever learned the truth, the world needs a Thor. That's all that really matters. We need a God who understands what it means to be humbled, to be, to be mortal, a God who knows how precious life is, how delicate. A God who struggles every day to live a worthy life, who suffers so that no one else will have to. A God who loves the earth enough to die for it. I am Dr. Jane Foster, and I will not stop being the mighty Thor, even though it is killing me. Oof, it's such an it intense, it's such a gutting ending. Like, like aside from just loving this character and... And everything, I mean, if, it, if you know, anyone that's ever lost anyone to cancer, this is just like, oh my God, like, it's like, you don't, you didn't expect like the end of this issue to make you cry. Yeah. Like, yep. it's just, I mean, aside from the cool reveal, they're like, oh my God, it's Jane Foster. It's just, no, he doesn't do the easy reveal. He does this very intense, very serious reveal yeah. that, that shows. And uh, oh, it's, it's so great. Like, yeah, it's like, so great. Couldn't agree more. And, and, and one thing, you know, one thing, and, um, you know, Jacob, you're, you're a reader of, of Jason Aaron and what a lot of readers of Jason Aaron will, will, will know about him behind the scenes is that religion and spirituality is something that Jason Aaron tries to get into his books. Like it's, it's, he writes from a place of growing up in a very, you know, faith centric, you know, uh, environment, but now, um, is, is, is that's not part of his daily life, but he still fits themes in. So I love like the one line where he he's really doing, I, I believe. And again, Jason Aaron could hear this and be like, that's completely wrong. And you're fine. I'd be like, Oh, awesome. You know, I'm glad to be wrong. Yeah. But as he's describing all the, as Jane is telling the audience, all the qualities of the God that she is trying to be. I think Jason Aaron is also saying like all the qualities that he thinks 
god should be he even says like a god who loves the earth enough to die for it a god who struggles every day to live a worthy life i feel like that's kind of something of a critique he's giving through the voice of jane but then that reveal at the end is it's kind of crushing it is crushing it it is like even even reading it you know i mean my yeah my voice would quaver and maybe that's why i understand aaron just Personally, I'd, I, I had a very similar, um, yeah. very religious upbringing and then, you know, have left that all behind. And um, but, you know, if you have that religious upbringing, it's always going to be there. It's yeah. always going to be in the back of your head and you're always going to try to, like, make some sense of it. And I totally agree with you. I feel like this last monologue is just another time. And he's done this in other parts of his writing career as well. It's and just, Gore the God Butcher. Yeah, Gore like, the God Butcher. I mean, so many of those monologues are critiques against a god or an Old Testament god specifically, which I yeah, think Jason yeah. Aaron critiques a lot with Odin, with Gore. But this is a more this is a different thing. This is a, you know, I you know, I, I know Jason Aaron has kind of, you know, come out not not I don't know if as as an atheist, but yeah. I mean, maybe as an atheist or maybe as an agnostic or something, but this is this is his list of like, uh, God, if there was a God, I want God to be like this. Yeah. Like, I know I don't get to choose. I know there probably isn't a God out there, but if there is, I want him to be like this. It, and it's, 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 written, it's Oh, sorry. I, I interrupted you. No, no, go for it. I was going to say, this is the first time and maybe I'm wrong here as well, but this is one of the first times that I'm hearing Jason write about God in an aspirational way. Yes, I, Where he's I think, like, what, what, if then this, like, yeah. Um, but that last, that last image of her really sucks. Oof, like it's brutal because for those of you that haven't read it, um, Jane is revealed as the mighty Thor and the image that Dodderman draws is anything but mighty. She's, she's crumpled on the ground because the ma the magic channeled through Mjolnir to transform her into Thor goes away. Yeah. And the, the hammer flies back to the moon and she's left there in a heap, like just yeah. in, in her like hospital gown. And she, you know, her, her, her bald head is revealed again. And the last line of the story is this is killing me. Yeah. It's, it it's so good. And I, but it is, it's, it's crushing. I mean, she's, she's gaunt, you know, she's lost all her hair from chemo. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a really powerful ending. Yeah. And the only thing that I think takes away from it is that the next, the next chapter in this is, is, is part of the secret wars crossover, which I think has some strong points, but is also like, oh, it's kind of, I don't know. I just, I wish scheduling was a little different. Yeah. Like if it could have gone right into another ongoing, yes, heck I continue this, like obviously her story picks up in the mighty Thor, you know, um, number one, uh, still written by, you know, Jason Aaron, still drawn by Russell Dodderman. Um, but yeah. But I, I I wonder if Aaron and Dodderman like saw this last or, or like like Dodderman had like the art on his board for this last page and then gets the call from editorial. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know this is a really powerful page, but you got to put at the bottom. There is only secret wars as the teaser for the thing. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. No, 
like i don't know <laughs> like why would you do that like it's such a powerful page like why would editorial shoehorn the stupid thing for the next i don't know the next gotta event books, crossover gotta like, god it just oh. it it's it it sucks i mean it doesn't take away but it kind of does a little bit like it keeps it from being a perfect page like yeah. that should not be in there at all yeah so that's it, that's it, the it, only thing that makes me kind of mad at editorial about this is i'm just like my god these guys have been doing their best work for eight issues this is the emotional climax of the whole damn series yeah and yeah i know and it's still very powerful and it works great but i just wish there wasn't that goddamn secret wars thing in the bottom <laughs> that's all i'm saying but other than that like go, going out of this you know and we know jane jane's adventures are far from over she's gonna go join the avengers and she uh she and sam wilson and miles morales and you know have the the all new all different avengers which you know um made you know long-standing fanboys you know uh, just thrilled beyond all imagination <laughs> you know, they're like all new all different those are words that i love yeah <laughs> yeah uh but personally i love all new all different avengers um i think it's, it's yeah cool. it's totally cool but um but you know jane we're far from done with jane but as we conclude this first story like jacob any like anything that we talked about that maybe we didn't go as far as you wanted or something we didn't talk about at all that you feel is necessary for a conversation about Jane up to this point? No, I think the only thing that I would want to uh, really drive home the point that I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like a lot of Jason Aaron Thor fans, like either people are all in or they've never read any of it. <laughs> and and I guess that's that's like it like like it is with anything that I love. Like, you know, people people are either yeah, super fans that won't miss an issue or just have kind of checked out totally. And yeah. for people who I would say if 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 someone is kind of new to comics, they might be new to to superhero comics, might be coming in from the Marvel movies. I would say in preparation for love and thunder and again we don't know what the movie's totally going to be about we yep. know that we obviously know that natalie portman is is jane foster jane foster is going to be you know wielding the hammer at some point in this movie i think that's fair to say yeah very fair yeah so i i think that if if you were to read one run in preparation for the movie i think 100 it should be this eight issue series yeah um yeah and if and if you can read some god butcher definitely read that one too yeah uh, i mean i mean yeah i mean i recommend but those are really the, stuff, the two but... characters that jason had his stamp on yep like gore is his creation and jane he completely re like he reimagined her yeah well i mean jane just hadn't been uh, hadn't been interesting for a long time like i don't think people i don't think writers knew what to do with her like she was just yeah. treated as an ex-girlfriend forever and 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 sometimes in really bad kind of tropey ways yeah. and and so i just i don't think that she was properly utilized for a long time and so yeah. i think that him reinventing the character really invigorated the character and made you care about her more and made her so much more interesting to where yeah. at the end of this series you know she's your favorite thor now you're just yeah, like I, you're just like was there another guy because i don't care i yeah, i, I kind of well, care about her right now 
Oh, Odin, Odin's son? Odin's someone, uh, but yeah, I'm not interested right now. Kind of want to see where the story goes. And uh, speaking of of Odin's son, like we are in a, in a upcoming episode of the show, we are going to be digging into the unworthy Thor, mm-hmm. which is Thor Odinson's adventure to find out why what Nick Fury whispered in his ear made him unworthy. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes on a side quest. And, and we're going to look at that with uh, another uh, great friend of the podcast. Grant is coming back. Um, awesome Thor cosplayer. And he's going to, we're going to talk about that story, but I want to, I want to thank Jacob for joining us tonight on the show. I hope you've enjoyed our chat. Like I, I have seriously enjoyed uh it feels like it's a werewolf by night podcast chat, <laughs> but just with no werewolves. Uh, and oh, that's great. And as as we go out, I, like anything listeners should know about yourself or werewolf by night, like you, the the stage is yours. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a it, it's been a strange thing with that podcast. You know, I mean, Matt and I basically started it as um as as therapy like as the pandemic began because we're like (laughs) well we don't get to hang out so what the hell are we gonna do like everyone else said and i know i know i know it's become cliche i know a million people started podcasts during the pandemic i totally get it but uh for us it it grew from something to where we were doing it just to stay in touch we we almost chose one of the most obscure characters ever just to be like, oh, it's just going to be us. Like, we care about this. No one's no, no one's going to care about this. <laughs> no one is going to listen. But people started listening and it was pretty cool. Like we've gotten, you know, we've gotten a decent little fan base. People are very excited. You know, we, we've we've made a lot of friends. We've we've, you know, made friends with with people whose work we admired you know one of our one of our best guests on the on the podcast is a director named brad elmore who was a uh, who's an indie director uh he, he directed a film called bit which is kind of a, <laughs> a almost a modern like lost boys in a way oh, but all with uh but, but, well, all with ladies and it's uh it's really really great we we love it we love brad we were fans of his and suddenly we became friends with him so we were yeah. like oh shit, this is great and then we just kind of kept it going and and you know just started getting more people to come on and 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 things like well again with marvel by the month i was a huge fan of theirs they're um you know as far as when i started listening to comic podcasts i listened to them and then there was another one um called screw it we're just going to talk about comics with i've um, heard of them yeah yeah the heinz brothers they're great they're they're um they're sketch or um improv comedians and they and their brothers and they do this great podcast and so you know those were the two i listened to really religiously and so i know it's silly but having brian on from marvel by the month was kind of a big deal for me i was just like like you said you know when you listen to a podcast or you listen to a hundred episodes of a podcast like you've spent a hundred hours with this person (laughs) like (laughs) right it's kind of uh, and it's kind of more intimate than just like watching an actor in a hundred episodes of television or something because you know podcasts can be very intimate and they can be about the person's life and you're just hearing about their life and kind of things bleed through you know the the show and so yeah to to 
have people come on that I had a real connection with was was a big deal. Yeah. And um and yeah, I mean we've just, you know, we've we've got a Patreon going, we've got people subscribing and we we have had a we've kind of, you know, curated a little fan base that's that's very active and is exciting. It's excited to talk to people about stuff and I I don't know. I've it's become way more than we ever thought it would. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's, it's a huge, it, it, it's a huge honor that people want, want to listen to us and, and like what we're doing. And so, yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna keep it going. And I have the, I have the best job in podcasting because my partner, Matt does all the editing, yeah, does yeah. everything. So I just have to come have a couple drinks, talk about comics and walk away. And then Matt has to, you know, work for like three or four hours and make the he, episode sound He makes sound it good. into brilliance. <laughs> he does. And he does because it's literally his job. He's an, he's an audio engineer. He, oh, wow. he does, you know, he, he does audio video for, for a, uh, a nonprofit that, that basically, you know, helps, uh, school, you know, giant school, um, districts do their lesson plans and other things. And I'm not describing it correctly, but he does these amazing things you know, trying to get different ways for kids to learn. And, and, and he, and he does this for a living. So he's really good at it and he has a good yeah. setup at his house. And so he makes our shows sound really good, which, uh, which I am eternally grateful to him for, but, uh, but yeah, I have the easiest job in the business, so, so I'm, I'm not complaining at all. So if you, if you want more of, of Matt and Jacob and believe me, listener, you do, um, you, you should go check out uh, werewolf by night on really any, podcast provider you yep. should go uh follow them on instagram at werewolf by night and uh, you'll, you'll be able to notice uh the, the logo pretty easily because it's a it's a werewolf um yeah. <laughs> it's it's it's, yeah, it's really simple um on a yellow background uh it's a great stuff they post all the pictures and stuff from different issues that they're going through i mean the 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 man wolf pictures have been just oh gosh so good um yeah. and uh so you need to go check them out also go check us out on Instagram at uh, mighty Thor podcast. We have a lot of news coming out this week and a lot of new stuff coming out in the next few weeks that I cannot wait to share with you. New projects are coming so quickly and I'm very excited to share them with you. I've been working really hard at them and uh, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with them, but also be sure to check out our Patreon link in the description here where Jacob and I are going to keep this conversation going for a little bit. And we're going to, we're going to have kind of a, an after party, uh, an after show of uh, right. more looking into Jacob as a comic book fan and what really his history is with comics and maybe a little bit more about the werewolf by night guys. So um, yeah, check that out on Patreon at our link and uh, friends, listeners of the podcast, friends of the Bifrost. I'm going to end this episode uh, predictably like I end every episode. I am just going to remind you, encourage you, tell you to stay worthy. <laughs>